I'm going to start with the scripture I gave you on the bottom, Zechariah. Go to your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Zechariah 4, 6. We're going to talk about being led by the Spirit tonight. And you may say, well, I've heard that before. You know what? I bet you you need to hear it again. That or turn me down just a little bit, Mike. There are things that I have learned in life that have been a game changer for me. This is one of them. This is one of the most important things I've ever learned. Now, there's others, but this one is one of the single most that I wouldn't be where I am today had not God taught this to me. I'm going to start off by reading the scripture in Zechariah 4. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone, and with shouts of grace, grace to it. The new birth changed everything in the earth. The cross. The cross changed everything. Now here's, we're going to talk about the, something that changed you remember when you read your Bible how uh, God was inside of the Holy of Holies and the moment that Jesus said it is finished, an angel grabbed the top of that, that veil and ripped it and God came out. Well, where did he go? Inside of us. At that point, everything changed. The church you know, and I realize that we read the Old Testament, we get a lot of wisdom from it. But in the Old Testament, men were servants, not saints, not sons. They were servants. And even when you think about this for a minute, the, Jesus said in the Old Testament, the greatest prophet that ever lived was, was John the Baptist, the greatest and we would think it would be Elijah or, you know, Isaiah. But he said the least in the kingdom is greater than any Old Testament prophet. We've never been taught to think like that. So there's a lot of times the way the world operates, God never designed his church to operate like Satan's kingdom. Satan does not have access to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have access to the mind of God. He has to rely on his own intellect, and so do his kids. There is nothing wrong with making plans and doing things to the best of your ability, but you and I have an avenue that trumps anything the world can produce. In business, we ought to be the best. In, in school, we should be the best. Remember, Daniel was smarter than all of the other guys because of the Holy Spirit. David was a mighty warrior, and those were still servants, not sons. So when you think about the fact that the church today, I believe that we're living way below 
the, limb, the, the place God designed us to live. Jesus walked in the Spirit and listened to the Spirit. Everywhere he went, everything he did, he said, I don't do anything I don't see my father do. Where churches in America get off, and I'm not picking on them, I'm just going to make an observation. Anytime people get their hands on a church, they will institutionalize it, and they will, they will, um, What's the word when you, they will plan God right out. You can't put Holy Spirit on a schedule. You just forget it. And yet all of us, we've been taught from childhood, you know, you, you create a plan and, and God says, I have a plan for you. But we said this one, one Wednesday night, I think, if I were to go around the room right now and ask you to tell me the plan you had last January and whether it came to pass or not, or the one you had 10 years ago, you would probably look at me and go, no. Because you've got to realize when Jesus says that, that they that are born of the Spirit are like the wind. You don't know whether it's coming or going. You know, the wind, you don't, you don't put the wind and the waves in a box, and you don't put the Holy Ghost in a box, and you can't put the church or a Christian in a box. So where are we going with this? Let me tell you something about, about being a Christian. No matter what plan you make, and I think I said this on a Wednesday night. If I didn't, I did it on the, the leadership. And y'all, I don't all the older people in here, I didn't say old people. Older. That would be Melanie and up. <clears throat> Do you remember the old movie, My Favorite Martian? And, and he came here in a spaceship, and his spaceship got messed up, and he was wanting to get home. He, he was this little ball-headed dude, and he had little antennas that, that he could, I don't know how he'd get them up. They'd go, whoop, stick up. And, and then he could, um, it was kind of like a GPS system in his brain or something to where he could contact that was like radio inside of his body. I don't know what all it did, but you know, you have those, you have antennae, you have, you have an ability from God that other people don't have. And what I want to encourage you tonight to do is learn to develop your sensitivity to God, the Holy Ghost. He will never lead you wrong. Never. Now, I'm going to tell you a story here. Um, I don't know the guy's name, but there was a man that came to Tulsa. And he, was, he was a businessman, but he, but he was broke. He didn't. He, he had $200, and he got a hold. I think he'd gone bankrupt, and he got a hold of a, of a cassette. Back in those days, they had cassettes, How to Be Led by the Holy Spirit by Kenneth E. Hagin. And he says he listened to it over and over and over and over. And he said then every time he wanted to make an investment, he would take the idea 
literally go into his closet. He called it a prayer closet, but he would go in his house. He had a place in his closet, and he would sit in there and lay hands on those ideas and pray in the Spirit until he had a yes or a no from God. He said, I have prayed over things that I knew wouldn't work in my mind, in my mind, being a businessman, but the Spirit of God gave me the liberty to do it. And I've never, since I started doing it, never lost a dime, never lost a dime. Now, that, that's a pretty good track record. If he had done 50%, I'd have thought that was good. If he had got 75%, I'd have thought that was good. But 100%, he said he had investments that he knew would work. And the Holy Spirit said no. And he fought with God. Now, come on. Now, you know this is good. You know this is good. He, but he said, I never violated that, that check in my spirit and I never lost money. I never. One year, he came to camp meeting and said, I will match every gift tonight. And it won't even put a scratch in my bank account. He was on Brother Hagin's board. He was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire at this time. Now, think about that. It, <clears throat> You know, why, why didn't we pay more attention to what he said? Not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. The church, you see, let, let, me, let me go back. Let me come back to this thought in a minute. One of, the, one of the reasons why legalistic preaching doesn't work is because everybody in the room is at a different place in God. He might be talking to you about give up cigarettes, and he might not be talking to the guy next to you about it. And then you, and I know you might balk at that. Everybody being in a different place in God has a different thing that God is talking to them about. You start trying to keep my list, you'll go nuts. If I give you my schedule, you, you'll go I can't do that, and you would not be able to because it's mine. It's not yours. It's not Lisa's. It's something that the Lord has led me to do. What he allows me to get away with and what he doesn't is probably not the same as you. So you think about that for a minute because we've, we've tried to clean up the church and, it, and it's like washing a fish. They just keep sliding out of your hand back in the river. And, 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 and that's true. That's just true for the church. Something else that we need to talk about right now is when it comes to sermon preparation. Not by might, not by power, by my spirit. God is the only one that knows who will be here. And he knows who's here. And he knows what their questions are. And he knows what they're praying about. You can't get a, you can't get a book. I have a friend. I have a friend. I just call him a friend. He wouldn't call me a friend now, I don't think. But one day, 
he, he looked down and, and, and he was teasing me about the fact that I had written my sermon on a napkin. He said, how do you possibly get anything off of that napkin? He said, I have my sermons planned out for the next year. In other words, Mother's Day, there's a Mother's Day sermon. Father's Day, there's a Father's Day. Independence, he's, he said, and I, and I collect notes all year, and I file them based on what I'm going to be preaching. I can tell you what I'll be preaching next year. I said, I don't know what I'm preaching this Sunday. I think I'm right. I've had people, I've walked out the door, and they looked at me and said, how did you know? I said, what? About me and so-and-so and what we're doing. I said, you just told me. <laughs> In other words, I had walked over to them, stood by them, and made a statement. But I don't know why I'm saying it, so don't tell me I was talking to you. I won't know it. If you don't want me to know your business, don't tell me. Just sit there and take notes and go, oh, thank you, Jesus, because he's talking to you. Now, you have to have a Holy Ghost church and a Holy Ghost preacher to be in an atmosphere for the Holy Ghost to talk to you. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been sitting in church and all of a sudden, while I'm preaching, he starts showing you stuff that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Yes. Holy Spirit. But something prompted it, and then he tagged it and delivered a message to you. Now, that's something that happens in an atmosphere of a church that doesn't happen anywhere else. But it happens at home, but, but, but church has a very special anointing for getting you in places that you would not otherwise go. Think about that for a minute. Dr. Paul Young Cho, who has a million-member church, said he spends all day Saturday praying over his church service because only Holy Spirit knows who needs what. Now, think about that for a minute because most churches don't operate that way. Everything is by intellect. The sermon is intellectual. The sermon is talking from his head to your head, not his heart to your heart. And that's why if you go places, you'll go, this is dead. And you can't figure out why it's dead because the guy's talking and he's using a Bible. But the Holy Ghost is not in it. He didn't even ask God what you needed. That's the reason why sometimes if you come and I say some things and you go, well, that was a little different. I wasn't talking to you. I think it was the other day Zach brought a friend. And at the end of the service, he, he walked up and said, that is the exact conversation we had on the way here tonight. So God took a rabbit trail off of my sermon, said the same thing to Zach and this guy so that that guy would know what Zach told him was true. 
he wanted to confirm that what, you know, like he's going, well, you know, Zach, you know, you know, I know you, Zach, you're a friend of mine, you know. But if the preacher gets up and says exactly the same thing, he's like, that was God. And what he was dealing with was his marriage. And, and I didn't have marriage anywhere in my notes. And some of y'all thought maybe that was not supposed to be talked about. Well, maybe for you it wasn't. But maybe for Joe it was. His name's not Joe. I don't know his name. But maybe Joe needed to know that. Okay. So not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. This is true with business. Mac Hammond makes, made a statement one time, and I never forgot it. He said, I spend the first hour every day dreaming, sitting and dreaming, allowing the Holy Spirit to paint what he wants to do on my soul. In other words, don't just wake up with just your agenda. Your agenda might need to be changed. And yet, He's a very successful pastor, but a lot of stuff is downloaded into him in his quiet time with the Lord about people and about his church, and not only that day, that week, or that month, but the average church member has never learned to sit in the presence of God and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to him. There might be things today you need to make adjustments. Do you remember the police officer that was here, and Mary Fran walked by, and she said, I, I see you carry a weapon. It was Louie. And, um, and then she said, someone would try to take your life. And I bind it in Jesus' name. Now, he's not mature enough to have picked that up. The next night, his partner, he was going into a housing project. He saw a light in a window, backed his cruiser up, took off after that, went in that church because he saw a light. There wasn't anything in that church. But his partner came in right after him, and the guy stepped out of the bushes and shot his partner. That bullet was for Louis, but the Holy Ghost stopped it. You say, what about his partner? Should have been in church. God can't protect people who are not asking. Jordan, one time, was on his truck. He told his mother, he said, I quote Psalm 91, and he got in a real bad wreck, and uh, messed the truck up, messed his buddy up, and he got out with either without a scratch or not much wrong with him because he's quoting Psalm 91 over himself. I mean, he's, he's doing hazmat, and the truck that hit him was doing hazmat, um, and I mean, it, it messed everything up. And then he walks out. And then he's got Mama Bear. Her new name around the house is Mama Bear. Because don't mess with her cubs. I don't know y'all think about that a while. Um, I'm not going to tell that story right now, Lisa. I don't think you want me to. So anyway. So look at this script. Not by might. Not by power. Everything that you're doing is not up to your intellect and your strength. I'm going to say this, and I want, you to, I want you to write it down. If your life is wearing you out, you need to get in the Spirit. Because he said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Abraham was not out with a program for increasing his herd size. 
God did it. Now, you understand, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything you ask or think. And he gets a lot more done when you're not in the way. All right, that's, that's just good preaching. Amen. Now, go, go to Romans um, 8. Go to Romans 8. You know, I was listening to the music just now. The greatest thing those teenagers will ever learn on God's green earth is how to worship God and pray. You get them, you get them, you get them in the presence of God and learn to pray, they're undefeatable. One, one boy came one time and he, got, he loved church so much that his mother would punish him by not letting him come. I told her, I said, you're nuts. We ought to put you in chains. Never mind. Send you to Palestine. I didn't say that. Romans 8, 14. Romans 8. This is a scripture that the Lord taught me right after I got born again. I'm going to tell you how he taught me. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's a powerful scripture. A son of God is led in life by this Holy Ghost. Now, that may scare you, but, but get rid of that fear. So I, I've told the story before, and I want to tell it, and I didn't realize that my shirt would be apropos. But when I got born again, one of the things that I did religiously every year was from the day that deer hunting opened to the day that deer hunting closed, I'm in the woods. It was an idol. It was, it, 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 I don't care what's going on, I'm deer hunting. And the mindset is you can't kill a deer if you're not in the woods. So you're in the woods all the time. It increases your chances. So when I got born again, um, I'm laying on my bed one day and I have my Bible open and I'm not thinking about the Bible at all. I'm, it's September and I'm thinking about deer hunting and I'm praying about deer hunting and I'm thinking about deer hunting. My Bible's open and the Lord said, I take no pleasure in this. Close your Bible and go hunting. I went, yes, sir. And I closed my Bible and I went out in the woods. And I didn't, and I, and I, and I didn't get far before it dawned on me. He did not say that because he liked what I was doing. If you're going to sit here and think about deer, just get up and go deer hunting. And I realized right then that I had, that I had made that way too high a priority for too long in my life. And so I, I got my gun and I went home. And I just, I'd only been in the woods like 30 minutes, just walking around and scouting. It wasn't even deer season yet. I was scouting. And so I went home and I, and I put my gun in the closet. And I got down by my bed and I said, I won't go hunting. And it will not be an idol. And I will not go unless you say, go hunting. 
And I just said, I consecrated something that to me was important, but I had allowed it to overtake, to become too important to me. And so I had a 44 Magnum single shot rifle. And um, some of y'all don't understand that. They're, they're like, back then it was like a $50 gun. Okay, cheap. And so I didn't give it any more thought. All winter, I never gave deer hunting a thought. I read my Bible, prayed, just, you know, whatever the Lord wanted to do. The, there's two closings of deer season. There's the general gun, and, and it's somewhere right around Thanksgiving, right after it. And then right after that, right around Christmas, it opens for a week. So the, the last day of deer season, I'm laying in my bed, it's a Saturday morning. It's 10 o'clock and it's raining. You don't go hunting at 10. You don't go in the rain. You don't, I mean, everything is wrong. And the Lord says, why don't you go hunting today? And I went, where? Where? Someone had invited me and said you could hunt on my property. It was a guy that owned a farm where I worked. And that's where I had gone the, the, the month before just to walk around. I know nothing of his property. I don't know anything about anything. And so I said, Lord, it's raining. And he said, you asked me. And I'm giving you permission to go. And then my lightning fast mind said, if God is saying go hunting, maybe he'll help me. I, I'm smart. I got my gun, got my truck, headed off to this guy's property. He had a little road beside the farm that goes down to the river, and I parked my truck there. And I'm sitting in the truck, and I went, where do I go? And he said, why don't you listen to your spirit? And I went, okay, because he had given me that scripture, they that are led by the spirit of God, the sons of God. He said, listen to your heart and follow it. While you walk through the woods. And I'm going, what, what could I lose? So I get out of my truck and I head down to the river. And I remember like it was yesterday. I got to the river and I turned right to head up river. And I had this terrible, ah. Uh, and I turned and it went, yay. Uh, yeah. I went. I'm going this way. And I'm, you know, I felt a little like Obi-Wan Kenobi, but they hadn't made the movie yet. Listen to your spirit, Luke. I walked down to a pea field. What I didn't know and what God knew was the night before it had frozen. Everything froze over. The deer had not eaten all night and all morning. The rain had thawed out the ice. And the pea field was full of peas and deer at noon. He knows how to hunt. And I walked up on this field, and it's full of deer, and there was a buck there. This, this is in my book called The Storyteller, this story. There was a buck, and he turned and looked at me, and in haste, you know, he's facing me, but I threw up my rifle and pulled the trigger, and I shot his antler off. And he screamed. I mean, you ever hear a buck scream like a girl? I said, you scream like a girl. And he screamed and he ran through the field. 
went through a little patch of woods and went, and I could see him going up the bank to the pasture behind this field. And I said, Lord, my deer, you promised me. So help me God, the deer stopped, came back down the hill and went into a patch of honeysuckle about 10 feet wide. And I can't see him. I know he's in there. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to walk closer and I'm going to bust him out of there. But, I, but before I did, I put a bullet in. I had a break, had a break, put a 44, and I shot into the honeysuckle patch. I know you're not supposed to do that. I don't do it now, but I did then. So don't, don't reprimand me on unethical honey tonight. But nothing, nothing happened. I went, okay. So I put another bullet in, and I start creeping toward the honeysuckle patch. Like Elmer Fudd. And I get right up to it, and I looked in the honeysuckle, and there's a dead deer in there. I had shot him through the heart without seeing him. All right, now listen. Everything that's happening is supernatural. Number one, you don't find deer in the daytime. Number two, you don't call them back when they run away. You don't shoot at them and not see them. I mean, nothing natural is happening here. I walked up to that deer, and I had a Holy Ghost fit. I mean, I didn't even know Mark Hankins at the time, but I danced all around that deer. I'm over there going, there is a God, there is a God. I hunted one day and got a deer. The next week, well, deer season closed, and then the next, then later another week opened, I asked the Lord, I said, if you'll let me go one more time. I went one more time, shot a second deer, and I gave it to a children's home. Now, listen. When you've been a diehard hunter all your life, and the only way to kill a deer is to be in the woods all the time, God wanted to show me that you don't have to be in the woods all the time. And, but he also said to me, when I'm in the woods, he said these words to me. What I show, what I'm doing to you today is teaching you to be led by your spirit. This is the way I will lead you all your life. And if you'll follow me, I'll take you where you need to go. Now, it may have been a dear story, but to God, it was a lesson on following the Lord. Now, now why did I say that? Because you can ask my wife, and, and I'm talking about the times that she has known me, that when I don't know what I'm doing, and that's often, She'll see me, like, and we lived in um, Indian Bluff. I knew that I was supposed to be doing something for the Lord. And a lot of people, they just go find something to do. I mean, I don't mind finding something to do, but while I'm, if you don't have a job, get a job and then start praying. Don't just be a bum, okay? This is not be a bum sermon. <laughs> well, I'm just praying about a job and praying about a year now, Lord, you know, Pastor Morgan, but you know, I don't have any money. Well, go get a job and now pray. Okay. Um, but, but everything that I've ever done has been because I got a hold of God and found out. Now, the few times I've done something without praying, it didn't work. You would think it would. I started my own ministry one time, on my own, without God. 
called Freedom Wings of Freedom. I got three places to preach. I think we got a whole 50 bucks from one place. Yeah. And your mother gave us money for a computer. It was a flat flop. And I went to the Lord and I said, I have a call. Where are you? Never mind. So many Christians have got a mindset that they're out doing something and asking God to help them with their idea. There's nothing wrong with that to a degree. But you need to be, you need to stick your antennas up in case he says, that's not it. There's nothing wrong with me doing ministry. But, it, but if, if I'm not sure this is it, I need to keep my antennas up so the Lord can go, I need you to make a change. I need you to make an adjustment here. This is not where I want you. This is not what I want you to be doing. Now that, that kind of, the reason that doesn't work for people is because in order for this to work, you've got to spend time with God and there's a lot of people that don't know how to do that. This is a good time to learn how to spend time with God, how to pray in the Spirit, how to hear the Holy Ghost. And listen, when you first start, you might bomb a little bit. But I have been successful deer hunting ever since. Even Justin, I know he's not in here right now. When we went to Tennessee this year, um, I, I said to him, I said, where are you going to hunt? He goes, well, I don't know. And we went up there during black powder. And he said, I really sensed in my spirit to go to Uncle David's property. And so he, he it's, it's the farm next door that we're hunt, Justin and I were hunting. I didn't know he left Micah's farm and went over there, but he went over there. And I'm up on the ridge and I can hear gunshots on David's property, and I knew it was Justin. I went, ah, this dude is over there on David's property, just shot a deer. And when he was, he went, he said, I, I knew to climb a certain hill, and I knew to sit by a certain tree. Now, if you've never lived like this, it's fun. It's cool. I think when Lisa first met me, I'm not sure, I have to ask her later, whether I kind of got on her nerves a little bit. It, and I know, I know I did when it came to shopping because I would pray. And the Lord would show me where what I want was and I would go to the store and buy it and come home. And Lisa would ask me, well, didn't you look at the other stores? I went, the Lord didn't say nothing about another store. I know she loves to shop. Well, you know, well, you could spend eight weeks and save $10. I'm joking. I'm making fun of her. Um, to me, time is money. Now, if you spend all day and save a few bucks. Anyway, but I'm glad that Lisa's thorough. She's very thorough. But I've learned just to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, she's getting a lot more like that now to where she will listen to the Holy Spirit and, and, and let the Lord show her what, what to do and where to go. 
And she did that when she bought Justin's property. And she listened to her spirit and, and bought it way reduced price. I think like $79,000 or $75,000. And she, when she talked to him, she knew he'd go lower. And you know, you just, you, you have to have, that's just a good woman. You need your women, if they know real estate, they got to hear from God. And the house we bought, when she bought it from the guy, when she offered him what she wanted to pay him, she got four-letter words. But she showed him cash, and he took it. And um, anyway, she stole that house too. Um, she steals houses a lot. But uh, a lot of times her and I will, will look at something to buy, and we'll pray about it, and we'll get a check. Don't, we go, do you have a piece about it? I don't have a piece about that. Okay. And we don't, we don't do it. We don't always know why. We don't follow, but, but, but listen, the, we've said this to each other. In all of the years we've pastored, when we've met people, we've never been wrong about them. Never. When we get a check on someone, it has never been wrong. And I'll look at Lisa sometimes and she'll say, what do you think about so-and-so? I go, and something's wrong, and I don't know what it is. Later, we would find out I was right. And I told her, I said, I can't tell you why the answer is no. I'm just going to tell you the answer is no. But you have to kind of live with a person long enough to find out they have a pretty good track record. And so after a while, she realized, my husband has a pretty good track record. And she's getting one. So the, the Spirit of God was put inside of you. A lot of times you're asking people, and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you are able to hear, are they talking to you out of their head, or are they talking to you out of their heart? We have friends in ministry, and they will give me, Lisa, Justin, advice. Sometimes we come home and we go, no, no. Not doing that. That's out of their head. Everybody has an opinion, but we're not led by opinions. Now, I'm going to tell you about a time that I did something, and, and, and many of you will remember this. Do you remember Melanie's sidewalk Sunday school? I bought the truck and fixed it up. I did that because they did it in Tampa, and it was guaranteed to grow your church. Well, after I bought it, I couldn't find anybody to run it. I couldn't even get God to help me. It's a good idea. It's not a bad idea. It just wasn't for us. When Brother Hagin was traveling, everybody told Brother Hagin, you need to get a tent. People prophesied, you need to get a tent. Oral Roberts had a tent. Jack Coe had a tent. T.L. Osborne had a tent. Every, everybody, Branham had a tent. Everybody had a tent. Brother Hagin said, the Lord didn't lead me to get a tent. 
I'm not, uh, he'd go and pray about it. Do you want me to get a tent? And he'd get a check. No, stay in the churches, stay in the churches. All of those men's ministries, finally, they all died and went out. And Brother Hagin was the only one still going. And, and, and the Lord told Brother Hagin this once. If you don't get in my well, you won't live long. He said, many men die because they get their plans and don't ask me mine, and they get out of my will. And so you see preachers that, like, they died at 50, and you're like, what happened to old Joe? Maybe old Joe didn't pray about what he's doing. So, I mean, I, I, I've, had, I've had my moments. I'll tell you another one if y'all don't throw me under the bus. But I've, I love preaching overseas, and I've always had a desire to go to Cuba. Why? They need Jesus. Anybody with an intelligent mind would know that Cuba needs the Lord. So, who was it? What's her name, Mel, Betty? Um, Vicki Fowler. Called me and said, I want you to pray about going to Cuba with me. And I went, okay, I'll go. I said, I don't need to pray about it. The Bible says going all over and preach the gospel. So, we fly down to Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, got on C-90, went over to Havana. They got me up there and took me into a place. I preached the gospel. People got born again. Anyway, I had a wonderful time. I saw people's, you know, every traffic light has 1,000 bicycles at it. And Kenny, there's 55s everywhere. You're like, if this opens up, we're going to bring you a Yeti. What's those cars, a little Chevy, little sparks or something. We'll give you one of those and take a, one of this old car off your hand. We'll just come down here and take them off your head. Get you, we'll even get you a new car. Okay. I got back to case off the name of Guatemala and the Lord said, what are you doing here? And, and at that point, you know, you know, God is never wrong. But I said, that's kind of a dumb question. And then I reminded him, you said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, I didn't tell you to come here. I went, I thought he took his fist and hit me in my gut. I mean, I thought he punched me. I doubled over. Just, oh, God. He said, go home. And then I learned that scripture that he said, don't go to Macedonia. And, you know, listen, you got scriptures, but that may not be what he wants you to do. Yes. They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. All right. Let's look at another scripture here. Proverbs 20, 27. Just pop it on the screen. Pop it on the screen. The Spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward depths of his heart. Holy Spirit is in you. And he's in your spirit. He's not in your head. That means he's going to bring light to your spirit. Now, the only way I know to say it, follow peace and follow love. You're never wrong. If you can't hear, pray in the spirit until you get. But when, but when you're making a decision to do something, house, marriage, 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 and marriage. Pray. Kevin McNulty 
had a girlfriend in Tulsa that he was dating and she was a missionary and so was Kevin. They both were Christians. They both were on fire for God. And one day the Lord said to Kevin, she's not your wife. Kevin said, she's not. He said, no, you need to break up. I have something else planned for her. And you need to trust me for the woman that I have for you. And Kevin's like, and I mean, it took a lot of guts for him to go and break up. He had no idea who he was going to marry. I think it was like a, either several months later or a year later. He walking through a parking lot and he saw Leslie in the parking lot at Ramah talking to somebody. And the Lord said, that's her. And I don't remember the story now. Lisa probably does. Women know all the details of every <laughs> detail of what they were wearing, the color of the dress, the perfume they're wearing. You know, they know all this stuff. All I remember is it was in the parking lot. And somehow or another, he just walked up and introduced himself and said, I'm Kevin McNulty. And one long after that, started dating and uh, they got married. And they've been quite the dynamic duo. Dr. T.L. Osborne trained them to do missions. I mean, you, when, when you have a call like that, you need to have the right person. The other girl wasn't bad. That's not right. I say it this way. Just, you have to think about what I'm fixing to say. I want you to pretend you walk in a room and you have ear plugs in and you're listening to music. And there's a girl in here that's listening to the same song, and I'm going to find her. All of the girls are listening to a song, and all the guys in the room are listening to a song, but every song that a guy's listening to, there's one girl listening to the same song. That's your dance partner. So if you're over there doing this, and they're doing this, she's not the right one. You just go... I don't know those steps. That's not what I'm hearing. And you just move on. And when you find the person who goes with you, you're going, are, are you hearing what I'm hearing? You don't know what they're hearing. But, but, but if they're doing the same thing you're doing, you can pretty much bet they're on the same channel. When I met Lisa, she actually wrote a song. What was it? Dance With Me. Dance with me based on me preaching that one time that... God will give you someone in life that is on the same channel you are. Now, that doesn't mean that the other women in the room were not on, they weren't good women. And it's not yours. Or men. Oh, I don't know why I'm off on all that. That wasn't even in my notes. Matter of fact, there's really not a whole lot in my notes. Matter of fact, I don't even have any notes. But the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Brother Hagen told a story about how he had been praying. A man came to him and says, pray about coming to my church and see what the Lord says. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, when he went in to pray, this man's face kept popping up. But he had a very small congregation. Brother Hagen had been invited to a very large church to preach. And he said, and, and you know, you're thinking, 
Large is God, small is not. But the Lord said, I want you to go there. And he kept having this in him to go. And he kept telling the Lord, he can't afford me. You know, when you have a ministry, you have, it's like you have a budget. You, you have to meet it. I mean, if, if it's, you know, some ministers, the budget's $30,000 a week. And, you, and when they come in, they've got to have people that are helping them come and the tithes and offerings. And uh, that's why bringing these, these big dogs in, you guys are good. They like y'all. But they also have partners that help them. So, 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 wasn't long after that was one of those times the Lord appeared to Brother Hagin face to face. And in the conversation, he brought up that church. And he said, you're looking at me face to face, but you knew that I was leading you to go there. And he looked at Brother, Brother Hagin, looked at Jesus and said, you know I have a budget. He said, I know and I'll take care of you. He said, but I will know, I think this was his last vision. He said, I will never appear to you like this again. From this day forward, you listen to your spirit. Now think about a man that when he goes to a church to preach, has no idea how long he'll be there and has no idea where he's going after that. And he stayed booked all of his life, all of his bills paid, and never knew where he was going. That, that, that's some faith, baby. Now, today we have people, I mean, they, they, they have a calendar in this book to the next year. Like Jim Hockaday, he's, he's only booked up for like another month or two. He's like, I leave my schedule open for the Lord. And so when he was here in town with um, Kevin and Annie, I called and said, what's he doing Sunday? She said, he's open. I said, get him in here. Now, most people, you couldn't do that, but you got to have a lot of faith to go. And, and yet, he, now, if the, if the Spirit of God told him to book, he would book. If the Holy Ghost said don't, he wouldn't. Yeah. Now, let's talk about me for a minute. I, I've gotten accustomed to God over, over time, but not every Sunday, um, every, every Sunday and every Wednesday, he has a plan. He has something he wants me to do. And, you know, when I first started pastoring, it got on my nerves a little bit. So I would come in with a sermon, whether it was the right one or not. I just can't stand walking up here going, now, Lord, what do you want to do? That unnerves me to no end. So I'd go home and get a sermon, and I'd come up here with one, even though at the end of the morning, I never looked at it. But, you know, that's fine. But if he don't come... If he don't come, I got a spare tire and trunk. But over time, I've learned to trust him. I've gone to bed on Friday night or Saturday night and go, I'm not comfortable with what I'm preaching. Good night. And in the morning, right when the sun would come up, and poor Nikki, she would do me my little thingamajiggies. And I would tell her, I can't guarantee you, Nikki, that's it, but... Just put this on the screen because that's the one I got written on paper. But, I mean, it's been many, many a day 
on a, on a Sunday morning at six in the morning, the Lord would wake me up and start feeding me scriptures. And I asked him, I said, why do you do that? He said, I don't want you to get your head in it. I want you to follow me. Because if I start, if I go down a, a list, I'm going to miss what he wants to do in service. I've only had a few times that I walked in here Sunday morning, had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Well, Brother Hagin did it every camp meeting that night. He would walk up and he'd say, well, Lord, Lord, give him one scripture and he'd open the Bible and start preaching. Now, I've gotten better at it. But I'm telling you, it gets you to where when you're out there and someone walks up to you and says, they ask you a question, you're so accustomed to hearing God that they're not, you know, well, I've got to go home and think about this. I've got to get my Bible out and study it. I'll be back with you next week. You can't do that with everybody you meet. You need to be able to answer their question, and you need to be able to hear from God right now. Amen. They that are led by the Spirit of God. Anyway, i got another scripture I want to show you. Um, 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 Revelation 3. How are we doing for time? We're good. Revelation 3. Is this okay? Because my other sermon that I had tonight is home. <laughs> this is what he told me about 30 minutes before I left the house. I mean, I just let him, let him do. Just, just be, you, you know, you're God. You know your job. But I've also learned not to let it bother me. Revelation chapter 3, now look at this scripture. This is a powerful one. 3, 7. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, he who shuts and no one opens. Quit trying to go through doors, God shut. If he shuts the door, let him shut the door. If he opens the door, go through it. We spend too much time stressing over stuff that God doesn't want you in. You come to, you're like, man, I've been trying to make this thing work, and it doesn't. Back off. You could be out of time. Timing's wrong. You could be going the wrong way. Back to my air. Air Mobile Ministry, whatever that ministry I had. I don't even remember the name of it anymore. Wings of Freedom. Freedom. I mean, I got so frustrated with God. I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And the door was shut. And the door opened. And I'm like, I am standing on the word and believing God. Where are you? So I had to get off and pray. Alone with me and God. And that's when he told me, you know, I was working with Air Mobile. And at that time, I went off to Haiti and Melanie was there. And he said, when you get home, Word of Life Church is going to ask you, you're the next pastor. Well, you're going to have to get alone with God. Now, I had already been told by people because I'm divorced. Because you're divorced, one thing you'll never do is pastor a church. And I told them, I know it. So when he said that to me, me and God didn't agree. 
And he doesn't agree with the whole church. Never mind. Because if you're divorced, you're certainly not supposed to pastor a church. And I already told God that I didn't know how. Somehow or another, that didn't seem to impress him very much. It's kind of like, good, I'll train you. And he did. But you know, there are, there are times when I and Lisa will, Lisa will know what I'm talking about now. I won't tell you what I'm talking about. I see things in my spirit, I believe they are God. And I start working it. You know what I'm talking about, working it? Politicking. Did I make that plain? I start calling the right people. Hanging around with the right crowd. Nothing happens. I'm just getting frustrated until I get up and go, forget it. You want me there? Get me there. Have a good night. I'm going home. And you know what? You, you, you gotta, you've got to start enjoying your life. There was a preacher here in town let me get a drink of water. And I was pretty sure that that man could help me with the pastoral ministry because he's a pastor and he has a successful church. So I called him one day, invited him to lunch. He didn't show up. He sent an associate. And I said, where's so-and-so? He couldn't come. He sent me. I said, well, that's not exactly the plan. So I found out he was going to be at a certain meeting and I went and stationed myself that he would walk by and I could get engaged with and talk to him. I did everything I knew for what, a month or more to, to tie this guy down. Finally, one day I went to the Lord and I said, what is this? He goes, I don't want you to meet him. I don't want you to know him. He will mess you up. Nothing wrong with him. But what he's doing, God has his way of him doing what he's doing. He has a way for me to do what he wants me to do. And he doesn't want me to ask him how to do what I, he wants me to ask God what I'm supposed to be doing. So the people that I have met, God sent them. Every relationship I have is a supernatural relationship. With Mark Hankins, it is a supernatural relationship. I remember the day the Lord said, go find Mark. I had to go to Kissimmee. I had to go down there and walk to the meeting, invited him to our church, and I thought, he'll never come. I mean, he has guys who flies his own jet and the whole nine yards, and we can't afford the guy. And he told me what his bill was, and, and he said, this is what it, I, it takes a, a, a week to run my ministry. And I said, I'll take the one, you take the zeros, and we'll believe God. I don't know. I thought he's coming once, and he's going to be so disappointed because we ain't going to be able to flip the bill for this guy. But we did. Y'all did. And he came back, and I went, Shondi, that, that's, that's awesome. Now, Mary Fran. That's a supernatural relationship. Shekinah glory. That's a supernatural relationship. And I say this, not too many people get to go to Mary Friend's house, stay in her house at night and eat breakfast with her in the morning and have Thanksgiving with her. And for her to call and go, Pastor Darren needs to come have Thanksgiving. I'm like, you know, there are people that, you know, you, you know them out there and they're, they're you know, you're, but they don't, they don't call me. 
Maybe they're not supposed to. Maybe I don't care. You know, it's hard to maintain relationship when you know 25, 30, 40, 50 people. You don't want, you don't want that many friends. There's too many birthdays. I got one more story. I got more. I got more and more. When I left Tom's church, God got me a job working with Weber and Tucker. I hated that job. Have y'all ever worked someplace you just flat? Hate. I hate this job. Every Saturday, I went looking for work. Every Saturday. I got my confessions out. I prayed in the spirit. In Jesus' name. Never got a call back on any place I went looking. I said, what is it with you? I can only work at one place. He said, I got you a job. Stay right there. I got something I want you to learn. And, and I say this because African-American people don't like me saying this, but I was on an all-black crew. Well, I, I didn't have any black friends. I never had any black friends. And God said, I got a culture I want you to learn. I want you to learn something you don't know. Well, they don't teach you black culture at Rama. <laughs> We're going to have a black culture class you're going to learn about. He puts me right in the middle of a whole pile of black masons. And I worked there for, what, two or three years. I got a half of them born again filled with the Holy Ghost. And, the, and, we, and we became friends. I did Omar's funeral. Omar was a black panther, and I got him... Well, he was born again. We got him right with God, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. He ended up pastoring a church before he died. It was a wonderful time. But it was a place God wanted me to be because he had something to teach me. And you know, if you're, everywhere you go you like, you're probably out of the will of God. Boy, thank you. Now, I'm not saying that your whole life will be hard. And I'm just going to tell you, sometimes you go places and go, Ah, this is not easy. This is not easy. It was not easy. And never mind. I got picked on. Never mind. <laughs> All right, I'm going to close with this. No, I'm not. Go to Isaiah 40, 28. We're going to talk about how to get a hold of God, how to get a hold of God, how to hear God. How do you hear God? What do you do when you don't hear God? This has been a mainstay for me all of my life. You know, you don't always need a new scripture. Sometimes you need an old scripture and revisit it. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, and his understanding is unsearchable? He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youths faint and become weary, and young men fail. 
Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All right, I'm going to read it to you the way it really reads. They that wait on the Lord, the word wait is the same word we use as a waiter. Or we would say it this way, those who minister to the Lord. And then it says they shall renew their strength. The Hebrew is swap. When you're in the secret place, this is, this is how you get instructions. You go in and you go, I don't have any idea what to do. Life is hard. I'm weary. I'm tired. Go spend time alone with God. Get in there and pray in the spirit. Spend time worshiping God and minister to the Lord. They that minister to the Lord shall swap strength, wisdom, everything you need for what he wants you to do. And you're going to find out when he gives you a job, the grace to do it is there. When I took this church, there's a grace that hit. I'm not that smart, but a grace came with me because he said, I want you to do this. And so all of my lack of ability was made up by my spending time with God, and he would grace me to do the job. Now, he has grace for you. Grace, grace. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll lift you up. For God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. When you, when you get along, and you will always need him. I don't know whether you know that or not. You will never get a place in your life where you have everything figured out, and I don't, this time, I got it, God. You don't. You're fixing the bomb. But you're always going to need him because the more you know you need him, the more you're apt to spend time in his presence praying. And the more you're going to, then you look back on your life and go, that wasn't me. That was God. I mean, I went somewhere in life, but it wasn't me. It was God. Okay. I got one more scripture for you. We could stay on this one for a while, but this is the reason why you need to build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, and then worship in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit. You need to spend more time. Lisa, I said something to her this afternoon before we came to church, and I, I said, if you really want to help me in life, get on the piano and let's sing. There are times when I need to just go sing. You know what I mean by that? We just put, a, put an album in. Let's go sing. Let's go worship the Lord. You don't need any real, nothing real deep. Just, just, just plug Hosanna in or something, you know. Um, when we were dating, we had all of the albums. Y'all remember, can you remember the big 33s? We had a big Fruitwood turntable and um, put those 33s on there of DeGarmo and Key and Petra and, and, and Janny Grine and Scott Wesley Brown and who else? I mean, lots of people. And, me, and Lisa and I would just sit in my apartment while we were dating and just sing and then we'd worship God and she'd get her guitar and we'd pray and then I'd feed her steak and shrimp and she just knew I was the one. He's the one. Steak and shrimp, he's the one. 
That's a word of the Lord for someone tonight. Steak and shrimp, you're the one. Okay, go to, go to, go to, um, go to Ephesians 3.13, and I'm going to close with this. This is actually quite a simple message, but muy necesito. Muy necesito. Ephesians 2. Um, no, it's not it. 2.10. It's 2.10. I wrote down 13, but it's wrong. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God knew when I got born again that I would pastor a church in Apopka. God knew before I was born that I would go to Ramah. God knows everything. He has a plan. I want you to understand this. Don't spend so much time wigging out. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? All you need to know is what do you do next? Everything you do will be faith. Everything. He will never tell you anything other than the next step. If you have the next five steps, resist the devil. Because your head is messing you up. Because you are going to try to make it happen. If I knew what I know now, I might have done things differently. But God didn't want me to do them differently. He wanted me to do them the way that I did them, by being led by the Spirit. When I married Lisa, I looked at her and I said, I want you to understand something. The only way I know how to operate in life is to pray and be led by the Spirit. Now, I've had a few times in my life where I have not done that. It's cost us, cost us, cost us dearly. But now, I always go back and go, let's pray, let's go pray, let's go pray. And be patient. Americans are in too big of a hurry. You're in, I, I mean, you, you got the your backside's on fire, coming and going. We don't know how to rest. We don't know how to relax. We don't know how to enjoy our life. You wake up Monday morning, hit the ground, you run out of the house like your pants are on fire, and you come home at night and you fall on the couch. Can't hardly eat dinner, get a TV dinner, and go do it again the next day. That's not right. Something's not right. You got to learn to relax, pray, and just enjoy your day. I didn't say be lazy, stay home and watch TV. Oh, pastor told me not to go to work today, just stay home and watch TV. I didn't say that. Say this, they that are led by the Holy Ghost are the sons of God. That is the way God leads you. It's the way he deals with his church. And the church will be successful. You will be successful in life if you'll let the Spirit of God lead you. Father God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the chance to walk in here tonight and open up what I call an old, an old message. But yet, we must revisit this. We must hear this more than one or two, three times a year and, and, and learn to listen to the inside. There's people here right now, Father, that are praying about things.
they have heard tonight what you said to them that they're going to get their answer in their prayer closet and they're going to be patient until they get it. And they're going to learn something about God. They're going to learn to trust God, which is what the things that the Lord's trying to teach you. You're going to learn to trust his voice and go where he says go and quit running your life the way you've been running it all your life. And he wants to have a say-so in what you're doing. And so, Father God, I thank you that, that there's people here tonight that are, that are, that are, that are in that place that need, to, that need answers. And I agree that you'll speak to them and lead them and guide them. And they'll walk, they'll walk back up one day and go, you remember that night? I got a hold of God and he showed me what to do. I give you praise for that, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Y'all have a wonderful night. God bless every one of you. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.